Hey friends, Rain Jenkins here. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the podcast. It is November 2019. We're going to talk about the most recent market report that we just published. Uh, looking at the numbers from October 2019 and comparing those to the previous year and trying to give you a little bit of a forecast for what we think the market's going to do um, in the next year. So we kind of continued to see moderating appreciation, 2.7% um, in Fort Collins, uh, up to a median price of 426, and this is for single-family detached homes. So we're not counting condos here, um, which would bring these median prices down a little bit. Um, Loveland have had a little price correction, 1.2% to 359.6. Uh, Greeley was up 1.6% to 309. Windsor was up 3.6% to 410, and Longmont was up 2.5% to 4356. So this is what we've been seeing kind of over the last year and what we think we're going to continue to see and what we like to see. Um, it seems like we're, the market is sort of plateauing, um, and, but it's still, it's still going up a little bit, just not like it has in the past. And we think this is wonderful um, because uh, the market's been too overheated for too long and uh, don't think that's good for, for Fort Collins. And you know a lot of people are talking about a bubble. We can talk a little bit more about that. We just um, think that the market needs to cool, and it seems to be cooling, but uh, market conditions still seem to be strong. We're still seeing a lot of volume. Um, we're still seeing um, homes sell in just a couple of weeks, uh, even though the median price has gone up about 10% over the, the prior year. That When, when we see that these median, I'm sorry, these days on market times are going up, they are going up, but they're going up from, you know, at one point, our average days on market was seven days. And, and it's just, for a real estate market, that is just absolutely unheard of. So even though these numbers are starting to move up a little bit, and we are seeing the, the market cool off a little bit, um, it seems to be a healthy cooling. You know, we seem no indication that things are... Um, going to change drastically anytime in the near future, despite what you're reading on CNN. I don't know if you guys have seen those headlines, but CNN's right. They have published a couple articles in the last um, month that have said the housing collapse is here. And if you read the article, um, one of them said that the inventory is so low and prices are not increasing consistent with the low inventory. Another one said, well, the market is is up in the third quarter, but if you look at September, if you just isolate the month of September, the market dropped 4%. So it's like you get data of a 4% price drop, and the headline is that the housing crash is here. And I, I think that's just you know a function of, um, I don't know if they're trying to get you know clicks from that headline. Se certainly seems that way. Um, one of those articles is actually taken down. Um, and so I, I just think it's disingenuous. I, as you guys are seeing those articles, read them. See if you agree with what they're saying in there. Because it's one thing to run a headline. It's another thing to back it up with, with inf data um, that supports that. And I just, um, we don't see any indication that there is a housing collapse here. We see a cooling of the market, which is a good thing. It's what needs to happen. And it's what we think is going to happen for the foreseeable future. Another thing to mention is um, you might have read there are a um, number of millennials um, 
they're saying eight to 10 million millennials are about to hit um, the age where they're going to start to purchase homes. And so that is going to be, some people think, a really significant factor. Um, they're also, they're saying that people are holding on to their homes for longer than they ever have before. Um, some In some places, homeownership, like the median time that people own a home is about six years. Um, lately, that number is going up. And in some places, people are holding on to a home for an average of 10 years. And this is continuing to put additional pressure on the real estate market because fewer people are, are holding or selling their home. More people are seeing good reason to hold on to their home. We're certainly seeing that here in northern Colorado. It's tricky to buy and sell in this market simultaneously um, for a lot of reasons that we've talked about you know, on other podcasts. Basically, it's, it's hard to make a contingent offer in this market. It's hard to convince a seller to accept your offer when you have another house to sell. And it's hard to put your house on the market before you have a replacement property lined up. And so I think that gives people pause. And um, even though a lot of people have a lot of equity in their homes, they're hesitant to put their house on the market. And so that's um, something that is continuing to keep our inventory low. And apparently, you know, they're seeing that those kind of conditions across the country and they're seeing the the time that people are owning or holding onto their home is increasing significantly. Um, another thing I want to talk about is, you know, I'm continue to be optimistic about this market and continue to tell people that I don't think um, significant price drops are in the near future. But let's say I'm completely wrong, um, because obviously no crystal ball here. Um, but you know, what do you do? You know, a lot of people are wanting to time the market and they're saying, I'm just going to wait until the, the market crashes. And I guess what I would tell people is how long are you going to have to wait and how much appreciation occurs between now and the time that this, you know, housing collapse that you're predicting comes. And you, you see people talk about this all the time in the stock market. Like you just don't, you don't, nobody can time the market. And when you do that, you'll lose um, because it's impossible to do. And you got to get in in the market. You got to start, um, you know, in the stock market, getting those dividends. Um, in the real estate market, you know, you got to start getting that equity buy down going. You know, year one, even if the market doesn't appreciate at all, you know, in year one, you got $5,000 in equity. Year two is going to be six seven, eight, you know, as the years progress, more and more equity in that house. And uh, you're just not going to get that in, in a rental. And then obviously there's potential appreciation that you tack on top of that. There's mortgage to interest deduction. And so um, obviously if you were the kind of person that wants to rent, that's great. Um, but we think that Fort Collins is still a place that you should consider buying um, for a couple reasons. First of all, it's the, the uh, property tax is considerably lower here than it is in other parts of the country. We're about half of the national average. So our property tax rates are about 0.65%. Um, the natural, national average is over 1%. And so even though folks look at the prices of homes here, what they don't consider is that the property taxes are pretty low. And when you look at 
places that have 3% per year property tax um, on a $400,000 house. Um, so you take a $400,000 house in, let's say, uh, Minnesota, where I think they have 3% property tax or close to it. And you compare that with the same $400,000 house in Fort Collins. The person in Fort Collins is going to be paying $800 a month less to own that home. So essentially, as far as you know, apples to apples cost of living on, on a piece of property, um, that house in Minnesota is going to have to be $200,000 compared to a $400,000 house in Fort Collins, if that makes sense. I'm not, not explaining that super well. But essentially, the purchasing power of that $800 a month in property tax savings could get you about another $200,000 in home price. So that's one of the reasons why our prices are a little higher than people are used to. Um, and we are, you know, relatively affordable town as far as like progressive places that you can live, you know, as far as mountain towns, places that people consider to be extremely desirable. Um, I think prices are, are still relatively affordable. So, um, we think we're going to continue to see this kind of appreciation. We think there's going to be a lot more warning. Um, you know, if, if we start to see things significantly change in this market, we'll certainly let you know. Um, but right now we're just seeing stability, small price increases. Um, from time to time, we'll see a small correction in median home price, but, um, still a lot of people out there buying homes. Interest rates are very low. They're still under 4%. So, um, if you, you know, it's a great time to refinance as well. Um, a lot of people have a lot of equity in their homes. If you're thinking about doing a, um, a renovation on your home, I would definitely reach out to us, ask us how much equity you think you have in your home. We'd be happy to tell you that most people have more than they think. And, um, a cash out refinance right now in order to do renovations to your house is probably not a bad idea if that's something you're thinking about doing. Um, when you can get money below 4% or if you're looking at a 15-year loan, you can get a mortgage of uh, close to 3%. And so borrowing money for renovations at that at those prices, um, it's not a bad idea, something that we recently did. And so if you want to talk about logistics of that and how much you could potentially borrow, and what those improvements would do to increase the value of your house. That's something we do regularly for clients. and be happy to do it for you as well. So, um, and another, I guess getting back to, um, you know, folks asking, what what if the market does take a significant downturn, what should we do? And the answer to that is, to n is not to sell your house, to hold on to it. Let's say worst case scenario, you lose your job, um, you know, putting a tenant into that property and just holding on to it. Um, is, is the absolute wisest thing you can do. And so, you know, think about folks that, you know, in 08 when the market crashed, everyone freaked out and they um, had to sell their homes. And certainly in some cases, you know, the certain situations people have to, to sell a home. But in the vast majority of cases, you're able to put a tenant into the property and pay the mortgage or get really close to it. And when you can do that and get a little more equity in the house every year and wait, out this, you know, if there was a recession, you, you wait it out and wait till things turn around. Um, that's the way to handle those situations. So that's the smart, smart investor play in, in a situation like that. But again, we're not seeing those conditions yet. Maybe we will in the future, but, um, reading those headlines just 
please understand that that's not our opinion of what the market is doing right now. So let's also talk about planning your home purchase. A lot of folks are reaching out to us asking um, what they should do right now if they are planning to buy in the spring. And I would say first, one of the most important things is to get your pre-approval letter in place. Get your credit pulled. Talk to a mortgage lender. Give them all the documentation you need. Get that credit. Get that pre-approval letter in hand. And the reason for that is because um, sometimes there are credit problems that people have that they don't know about. And finding that out six months in advance of when you're going to purchase a house is hugely important because with some time... You know, let's say you have a bill that you forgot to pay. Um, most of the time it's something that you, you know, it's just something stupid you didn't know about and you never got any letters or notices and, you know, it's showing up as a, you know, a default and it significantly lowers your credit score. And, you know, different credit ratings come with different interest rates. So those, you know, if you're dropping from 700 down to 600 credit score, I mean, that's going to significantly change the cost to borrow money and so if you find this out six months in advance you can do something about it you can um you know most mortgage lenders work with um, credit repair companies that know exactly how to get that exactly the steps to take to get that credit fixed and to close those accounts and and get them back up and so do that now also just the getting all the documentation that the lender needs you know tax returns um, letters of explanation for us self-employed people. It's just nice to do that in advance and to have that off your mind. You don't want to be doing that in kind of the heat of finding a home and getting excited about it and evaluating the house. Last thing you want to do is running around looking for paperwork. It's nice to just get that all out of the way. And so that's something we encourage you to do well in advance. Um, People often ask us when the best time to sell a house is or when the best time to buy a house is. And usually my answer to that is, you know, whenever you're ready. I mean, there's benefits to buying in the off season. Right now, you know, prices are a little bit lower. Prices usually fluctuate, you know, about 3%, 2 to 3%. So in the summer, you're going to get a couple percent higher than you would if you're selling your house. You know, September, October is a kind of a tough time to sell a house. Um, there's most of the folks that are, that are going to buy already did in the summer, and it's just one of the slowest times of year. I mean, actually, the middle of winter is is a better time to sell, not weather wise, but market wise. Um, we we actually see more activity in, the, in winter than we do in September, October. So, I would not be selling a house in that time if you can avoid it. But um, buying a house is in those time periods, you can find some really good deals. And so if you're in a position where you can buy, um, where you're flexible on when you can purchase, I would just start looking right now. Um, but if you're trying to figure out you know, when the most homes are gonna be available, that's definitely gonna be you know, May, um, May, June, July, and then August starts to taper off a little bit. Those are gonna be, that's the prime selling season. That's when you're gonna have the most buyers in the market, the most homes on the market. And so not to say you can't do well in the off-season. Um, sometimes the fact that there are fewer homes for sale can work in a seller's favor in the off-season, but there's also fewer buyers in the market at that time. So it seems to kind of balance itself out. We don't see like huge swings. It's not like when people 
come to us in the winter we're like oh you shouldn't you shouldn't sell right now or you shouldn't buy right now um there's just you know the market changes just slightly um during those different those changing seasons and depending on what you're trying to do most of the time it works in your favor to to start the process um and so we can talk to you about that if you know about your specific situation and figure out a plan of action for you um, be happy to do that let's see if that is everything we've got on our agenda i think it is for today we're going to keep this kind of short but thank you guys so much we really appreciate you giving us feedback that you're listening to the podcast and getting something out of it and we'll keep doing them and uh, hope everybody has an awesome week stay in touch